0: Good morning, Covenant Fellowship. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Please stand, find your seats and stand, say hello to somebody, and uh, join us as we sing and prepare our hearts for the message this morning. your name. In the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name.
1: I was like, what are y'all waiting on? All right, good morning. Everybody enjoying this cooler weather? Oh, man, that's sweater weather going on. Where's y'all sweaters at? Yeah, Stephen's got a sweater, Richard, Brother Brad. All right. See, Sean doesn't have a sweater. That's why he's over there like this. See? Anyway, good to see everybody, and uh, it is enjoyable uh, just a few announcements to get through, but real quickly. If you're joining us online, we're so honored to have you with us. But we want to be a blessing in every way we can. Richard standing by online. Any questions? Let him know. But let him know you're there. Say hi. We want to always indicate in the bottom right corner of your screen. You'll see a prayer button. Let us know how we can be praying for you. That's always secure, private. Only goes to one source, so it will not be shared or, or uh, you know displayed. So. Feel secure with that, but let us know how we can be a blessing and uh, we'll get back with you. But thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, a few things coming up. Uh, some, uh, A few ladies got emails about a kids' zone staff meeting immediately after service. Uh, we'll just sit somewhere, but uh, stick around. I only need you for about 10 or 15 minutes uh, and I'll dismiss you, but want to share some information as we move forward there. So those that were we'll reached out to, Uh, You should know your name. Please join me afterwards. Then tomorrow at 11 o'clock, we'll be having uh, John's memorial service. And Renee will be coming in here shortly this afternoon. uh, And she'll be getting with Sam and uh, hooking up there. But please, if possible, be here tomorrow at 11. And uh, we'll be officiating that. Uh, Brother Brad, myself, and John's pastor, Renee's pastor, for years out of Cooper, will be joining us and helping us officiate. Uh, He's the one that actually got to baptize John, and so instrumental in his spiritual growth. So he'll be joining Brother Brad and myself as we get to see John's life and uh, be there for Renee. Uh, We will be having a memorial lunch, or I guess it would be a lunch for them in the fellowship hall. So if you've been reached out to by Judy, that's great. If not, you want to be a part in some way. Maybe you want to donate money for food costs. Uh, get with Judy. She's here today. Get with her during service or immediately after service and see if there's any needs that still need to be done. Uh, I know her and Charlotte, and I believe somebody else is over the serving, so maybe you can help out with serving or being a part of that. But uh, And uh, any way you can. But hopefully be here just to support Renee and their family uh, tomorrow afternoon. Then a uh, collective group that we have started for our young adults uh, will be back uh, this coming Tuesday at Sam and mine's house, so same time, 6.30. So those folks uh, just uh, be in prayer about that, and uh, so excited about where God's taking that. Then our Wednesday night services, we're still, for the time being, going through Brother Brad and myself through the book of Hebrews, and uh, I'm in prayer, looking at things. We are close to be uh, going back to breaking out to men's and ladies' groups. I know that was enjoyable, so we're uh, directing towards that. We'll take a break going through the book of Hebrews and come back. But also remember at the end of October, uh, for November, December, we are going to suspend for the time being our Wednesday fellowship luncheons prior to at six o'clock, because families will be start preparing for the holiday meals, things of that nature. We have our Thanksgiving uh, luncheon coming up. That'll be on a, after Sunday morning service. We have our Christmas party ourselves. So we have a lot as a church. So we are going to suspend our fellowship lunches is at 6, starting in November, okay? And I'll go through November and December. Then we'll readdress it from there. And then the fall festival. Uh, thank you so much for the pumpkins and the, and the liter bottles, everything that's arrived. We're excited about that. So that'll be the 21st at 6 p.m. Uh, I know a lot of folks have signed up for the different games and festi- uh, festivities. Uh, we've gotten a lot of candy. Thank you for your support of that. It's not too late. If you haven't, if you still want to grab a, a bag of candy, the container's still in the lobby, just drop it in there or get it to Julia, and that'll be a blessing. Amen? And I think that is it for the most part. Am I forgetting anything? No, he says, well, you look at me for it when you say that. So uh, anyway, all right, I think that's it. Gentlemen, if you can come forward, we'll pray over our service this morning.
2: Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your uh, for your love for us, for your grace and your mercy. Mm-hmm. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here today to worship you. We ask that uh, those who couldn't be here, Lord, uh, for whatever reason, uh, comfort them. If it's uh, something that, uh, that we did reach out to, uh, give us something to uh, to know that they need some help, Lord. Mm-hmm. We ask now that you bless this service. We ask that you bless the uh, offering, Lord, bless the giver. Help us to build and further your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: worship this it down to men. Oh.
3: Jernigan, and I had the privilege of actually knowing him and his testimony, and what is so funny about him is um, he used to be a gay person, and he really loved music, he went to Oklahoma Baptist University, and he went to a a concert where they were worshiping, and his goal was to take a cassette player and copy all the music (laughs) to bootleg it and sell it in the dorms, because he wasn't saved. And literally he recorded his own salvation because Annie Herring was singing second chapter of Acts and she stopped the song to speak directly to him and he got saved. And you can hear that tape and hear how the Lord just opened his heart and drew him and he answered that call. Well now Dennis has Parkinson's and playing the piano is pretty hard for him these days. But you'll find him online still proclaiming what God has done and still proclaiming that he is able to change us. And that's the whole point of the truth. It's useless unless it changes us. Satan knows the truth we know. It doesn't change him. It's actually Satan's enraged against us because he wants us for himself, and God has ordained in history that we would be born and drawn to him and he makes a way if we want to take him up on it so let's come talk to that god that can save a man in the middle of his sin trying to steal something and he actually wins the day with christ
1: Beautiful name, we got a birthday today. That's what I heard. Steve, is that true? <laughs> Rumor has it. We don't get to see Steve much, he's a hard working man, and a lot of times his work schedule takes him away uh, almost every Sunday. But when he is here, we're blessed to see him. But happy birthday to you, sir! So uh, let's give Steve a hand. I would call him back up here to see, but they charge overtime and all that stuff it gets expensive and so uh, anyway but we're glad you're and Brittany is here Brittany yeah good to see Brittany Uh, she's 80 oh I thought she said she was 80 I thought not yet all right Uh, I don't know why I started to say bear with me this morning Uh, I this uh, I got. I saw. I saw uh, what would it be? Just a uh, a posting I saw, and I read this article, and I thought that is spot on. It is spot on, and I said that's got to be shared. It's got to be shared. And we're going to be in Judges chapter seventeen this morning, and, and what I want to talk about in this article that I read, and a little bit of a clip. It said, you, you know, are you more concerned about being a polished Christian, or a powerful Christian?" And as soon as I saw that, I thought, wow, and then all this stuff just started flowing through my mind. And, and you know, always thinking, when I see scripture, I hope you understand, uh, I'm, I'm always preaching myself. Everything I share, it was an aha moment for me during that week when I read it. And i always see it through self-reflection. I never see it. Oh, this is what they need to hear. I'm always hearing, "Man, this hit me. I, I, <laughs> this opened my eyes, and hopefully, it will open your eyes." And uh, but we know the story. In, in uh, I say we know the story in Judges 17. This chapter relates to the uh, really the first rise of idolatry after Joshua, uh, the death of Joshua, and it began in a town called Ephraim. You probably heard, and it started the name with a man named Micah. Now it's not Micah, the prophet of the Old Testament. It's just a gentleman named Micah, and it was a man that uh, he, he had stolen silver from his mother, and he had restored the silver when she was praying. But he, he used the silver and bargained that he wanted to use it to make an idol, of self, you know, for self-worship for his house, and uh, and so it's done. And he even went as far to try to to be religious that he ordained one of his own sons who, <laughs> so far above his spiritual pay grade, he didn't have a right to do, nor was he a Levite you know, in the lineage of the, of the priests. But you know, he was doing all this religious stuff that he thought would work for him in his situation. And in Judges 17:6, hence the title of our message to a certain degree, is a verse that we're familiar with. It says, In those days there was no king in the land of Israel. But every man that w- did, uh, excuse me, every man did that which was right in what is on us. What we would say today, or what I would challenge us with today, I'm doing Christianity my way. That's the exact same thing. I'm going to do Christianity my way. This is the way I like Christianity. This is the way I want to do Christianity. This is what makes me feel good. This is what contents my soul. This is the way I want it to be. And if not, i have a problem with that. Or I'll look long enough until I find a pastor or a church that wants what I want. I'll do what's right in my own eyes. That's always a problem. It will always be a problem when we go against the will of God for our lives, God's purpose for our lives. God's calling for each and every one of us, we'll see in a second, because we know in Revelation, getting ahead of myself, every one of us are called to be a priest in the priesthood. When we start thinking beyond our spiritual authority, above our spiritual pay grade, you always hear me say, and we start approaching our faith walk, our Christian walk, not according to God's will and the direction of the Holy Spirit, but how we want to be a Christian and how we want our church that we go to to be this type of church and worship this way and do these things. A lot of ways it's doing what's right in your own eyes, not God's will. So let's pray and let's jump into this. Father, thank you for this morning. This opportunity, we can come before you. I thank you for the enlightenment that this brought to my life. Anoint every word, Holy Spirit, that we can transfer this truth in this passage. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to stand because we're going to read a series of verses here. But uh, let's start with uh, Judges 17. We're going to read 7 through 11 here. He said, there was a young man out of uh, Bethlehem, Judah. The family of Judah, now, that should be familiar with you, Bethlehem, Judah. You're talking about the cradle of Christ, Christianity, the new church being, not the new church at this time, but what would be in due time. Who was a Levite? I mean, he was in the lineage of the priesthood, and he sojourned there. He hung out there. He was there. That's where he was, quote, unquote, stationed where he lived. Uh, Oh, excuse me. You got ahead of me. Can we go back? Oh, there it is. It jumped on me back there for some reason. Uh, so he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to Sojourn, where he could find a place. Now, you can make a spiritual argument. We don't know for sure, not adding to the Scripture. But you can make an argument, since there was no king in Israel, everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. there's a good chance that traditional worship and ties to the church and giving to the priest and leaving wasn't flowing. So you can make an argument that maybe now he's journeying on, trying to find other means, trying to find some place to do his thing. And Micah said unto him, Which comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem Judah, and I go to sojourn where I, where I can find a place. And Micah said to him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest. And I will what? ah A little barter there? I tell you, you do this, I'm gonna give you all this stuff. Now I'll give you ten shekels of silver by the year, and a suit of apparel, and the victuals. So the Levite went in, and the Levite was what? Content. I'm looking for some place to go. Well, I'll give you this. I'll give you. Will that make you happy? He goes, oh, yeah, I'll take that deal. I'll come there, and I'll just be content there. Did the Scriptures ever say, I don't know, let me go pray and see if this is where the Lord wants me? No, the Lord has sent me. I'm journeying in the Lord to where the Lord wants me. No, I'm just looking for a deal. I'm looking for something that will make me content. I'm looking for some place that will be life my way. Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. So apparently this Israelites no longer, again, I say, supported the priests and the Levites, and maybe it caused him to journey. We don't know, but he was definitely journeying, looking for something that he wasn't getting in Bethlehem, Judea. So the Levite, in this story left his home in Bethlehem because maybe the money wasn't received. Maybe he couldn't make a living. Who knows? Whatever. But he's journeying, looking for something. Now, at this time, we read in verse 7, or uh, excuse me, verse 6, we know Israel's moral decay not only was affecting the church as a whole, but it's also affecting the Levites, the priests, and even themselves as individuals. Let's go on to pick up in verses 12 and 13. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, his priest. Maybe I'll hire a pastor that I won't. A lot of churches that have boards of man that have been given a title so they can go out and fill a pulpit to find the preacher they want not the preacher of the Lord sends them. Now, I'm not saying every time that happens, it's wrong. A lot of times, they are, prayerfully, they are in prayer, and God sends them the pastor God wants them to have. But there's a lot of times churches will dismiss pastors, move on to another pastor because they're looking to put in a place the pastor they want. This is kind of exactly what Micah did. Oh, be my priest. I'll pay you. I'll do all this. Then you be a priest like, like a priest to me. And I'll tell you what to pray for, and I'll tell you how to, I'll tell you, I can assure you Micah was telling him how to be a priest. He wasn't looking for somebody, I need spiritual leadership. He was looking for a priest because you see in the way Micah lit, uh, ran his house, you can see in the following chapter in verse 18, they get into making idols, and even the priest falls into idol worship. So everything was about what Micah wanted in his house. And he made the priest, the Levite, content with it. Because he was just looking for a good deal. And he found it through Micah. Consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest. And was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Know now that I, excuse me, that the Lord will do me what? I'm doing all the religious things I'm supposed to do. I set up a priest." disregard the fact that I got out worship in my home, but I got a priest, I got everything in place. Now you bless me, Lord, because all of my religiosity is working out. Pour it on me, God. Come on. I'm going to church. I'm serving. I'm, I'm carrying my Bible. I'm, I'm doing all the things. So now do me good. Seeing I have a Levite to be my priest. Stay with me. Again, you read the next chapter and Micah ends up worshiping idols. But hey, it's okay. He's got a priest in his home, he's doing all the religious things. I got one on the payroll, doing it my way. Micah offered the young Levite everything he would need to be content in his practices, in his duties. It was at this moment, this young man had to make a decision, and he made a decision, between what was right spiritually versus what made him content physically. Did what was right in his own eyes. Looking for a good deal, he got a good deal. Found contentment, I can live with the rest, because I'm content. At this moment, this young Levite chose to become a professional religious priest. Now, here's my thought for the day. My thought is, have we become New Testament professional Christians? Because I'm not the only one this is subject to. Again, Revelation 1-6 tells us, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, and to him the glory dominion forever and ever. We all have accountability to this. We're all called to the work of God, to his kingdom, to his glory, to his authority. Not our contentment. Have we become religious professional Christians? Content in our religious acts. More concerned about being polished than being powerful in the work of the Lord. As long as I'm I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do religiously and, and I'm carrying my Bible and I look good. I'm polished. Getting people to applaud what I'm doing in my religious walk, in my religious works. We all at some point have to make the same decision in our faith walk that this young Levite did. Are we looking for a good deal? Are we just looking to put ourselves in a situation like Micah if we do all the right things and live the right way that God will now, we can call upon God, God, you got to do me good now. Because I'm doing good for you. I'm doing all the good things. I'm supposed to do. Am I looking for contentment? Or am I willing to be committed? See, it comes down to contentment or commitment. If we're worried about being content, the smallest disruption in our lives, we become discontented. Now our feathers are (laughs) ruffled Things aren't going right, and now Todd wants to do that. Hey, and let me throw this in, Chase Reb. I know I drive a great deal of y'all crazy. And if y'all fired me, I wouldn't blame you because I couldn't deal with me most of the time. I am spontaneous. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. When God says, don't boast to you about tomorrow, I take that to complete heart. I have no, I'm worried about today. Sam will say, get your phone out. What for? I want you to look on your calendar. Okay. Now, in December, I'm like, what? I like picture my phone. Put it in there. I ain't, you're bringing up December. I'm living in October, the whatever. I don't even know what today is. I, I'm living today. I woke up this morning, and they paid me. I got to show up and, and bring a truth to the people. That's that's how my mind works. Now, I know some of y'all, and, and I admire you. I'm telling you, I truly admire you. that dot, the I's, cross the T's, and you know your schedule. I wish I could live like that. It would help me. I'll be the first one to admit it would help me. But that ain't me, and I ain't changing at 60. I'm sorry. That's my hard head, as hard as the cement. And and some of y'all are like, why won't he make a decision? Why won't he do this? I don't know. I guess you going to have to fire me if that's what you're looking for, because I'll never get there. And my point being, what I don't want to do, and one thing I'll do, I do not want to become a professional Christian. I'm not worried about how good I look. I'm not worried about how many likes I have on Facebook. I don't care how many come to this church. I only want people to come that need to be transformed in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if we can do it, I'm all for it. God bless. We'll pour everything, Brother Brad and I, and many of y'all. I'll pour every hour and moment I have into you. But to be out and to be a popular pastor... That's never going to happen, one, because I don't have degrees on the wall, and I don't have books written, and I don't have TV shows and programs. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care. I'm not worried about trying to be content. I'm not trying to find a church that has retirement for me and benefits. Y'all take care of Sam and I. We're humbled. We're grateful what y'all do to take care of us. But we have nothing but to do the work of God, and that's all I care about. And if we're worried about as Christians being content, then the first thing that disrupts our spiritual feathers, then we start blaming everybody and pointing fingers, and we're not happy, and we don't like this, and we don't like that. Because if you're trying to find contentment, newsflash, you'll never find contentment. Because once you get here, now you want more contentment, and more contentment, and more, and more, and more. Like Micah, do me good. I want more. We never end up being content. ah. But if we're committed, if we're committed to the kingdom of God and the purpose of Christ dying on the cross and the advancing of the gospel and discipleship and seeing lives transformed, then you don't care if something goes wrong because you're committed to the cross. Well, Todd, this is going on in nursery. I, I don't know. Fix it, Peggy. Do I don't care. Put somebody in there. If not, I'll go sit in there. Brad can come up here and talk. I, I care about kids' zone. I care about women's ministry. You know, we don't even have a, me- I, I have a measure of concern, but I don't care. Do what needs to be done. Just do it. I want to be committed to the work of the cross. And if I and us gets more committed and about contentment about this ministry is not the way we want it or that's not going the way we want it, and you know what I'm saying. I'm beating a horse here, a dead horse. Huge difference between contentment and commitment. This is what this young Levite priest did. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. At some point, we have to make the spiritual decision: Am I just wanting to be a content Christian? And I'm working on being polished and looking good, or am I wanting to roll up my be committed and roll up my shirt sleeves and be willing to get dirty, to get hurt, to be taken advantage of for the sake of the cross? Contending what I'm looking for or committed to what the Lord wants from me. What I mean by professional is not being a cut above, not like a great athlete. At that moment, he chose to be a professional. This young Levite man did. And he gave up his passion. It became a job to him, not a joy to him. I love what I do. Cannot believe still to this day that God would put me here? If you knew my life growing up, you'd be just as amazed as I was. And I don't even know what I'm doing here. Half the time I don't even know. I'm still having to call Brother Brad. What should I do? I don't have a clue what I'm doing up here the majority of the time. Only thing I know is Christ crucified. And praise God, you don't have to have a degree for that. But that's what we got to be as Christians. Committed to Christ crucified. Not committed to ministries or programs. Not committed to popularity. Not committed to what we look like and how we're perceived. No, committed to what Christ looks like and how Christ is perceived. That's what we need to be committed to. Become something worthwhile. We're in defining times. We're in unprecedented times. If you're spending any time on Google, be cautious in doing that. But if you're spending any time and seeing what's going on in Israel, I'm not here to tell you this is the start of the end. I don't know. Nobody knows. But it is a foreshadowing of what's coming. It does open light to prophecy. And it's happening right before our eyes. Now, whether it's going to, we're going to get there and the Antichrist comes on the scene here in a few months or a year or so, and it gets, we don't know, but I do know we're in unprecedented times meaning that we need to get serious about Christianity and quit playing Christianity and start being the Christian we're called to be because souls are at stake. It's not a time to be plain. It's not a time to be worried about what our church looks like and what type of chairs we're sitting in or what type of music's being played. No, it's to be worried about what souls out there know Jesus Christ. That's where we're at. These are the unprecedented times. Well, I'm looking for a church that has programs for singles or young married or, I mean, whatever the list. There's churches out there. God bless them. I'm glad they do. them. they got endless programs. But do they have discipleship programs? Or are they preaching the gospel? That's what matters. These unprecedented Times are wearing. Believers need to stop playing church. And if believers are for sale, then the enemy is going to sell you a bill of goods just like the young Levite to make you content. Don't think that Satan doesn't have endless bags of 10 shekels he can give you. Don't think he doesn't have endless, you know, garb he can bestow upon you. Satan can bless you and gift you greatly. He'll do anything he can to get you from being committed to being content. It's spiritual heroin, in a sense, if that even makes sense. So it like gives you a little bit and you get a little content. You want more. Oh, you want some more? I got some more for you. And the more you take, the more you look, the more you're wanting to be contented, the more it's going to cost you. Because you're going to get enough to, unfortunately, just like drug addicts that we have in our congregation that God's delivered, will tell you, you'll get to a point there's not enough drugs for you. If we're looking for contentment, Satan is going to get you this world, and even your own flesh is going to get you to a standard you'll never be content. I will never be content in and of this world. You can't be rich enough, you can't have enough. Ask Robin Williams, why did he hang himself in his closet if you can be contented? Why did Whitney Houston overdose if you can be contented? And the list goes on and on and on. Committed? If you're committed, you need nothing but Jesus and the cross. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need the world, you don't need your flesh. You don't need people around you. You don't need careers and money. I just need Jesus. I'm afraid today there are too many ministries. There's too many pastors. There's too many churches that are more focused on being professional Christians and professional churches and professional religious organizations than committed to the work of God. I can tell you, I'm not a professional. Y'all know that. I don't speak eloquently, mispronounce half my words, have no seminary degrees. I guess your assurance is you know I'm not a professional. (laughs) I should give you some relief. I display it every week. Laugh at me, I don't care. But I think you do know my heart, that I am committed. I'm committed to Christ, I'm committed to the cross, and I'm committed to you. I may not have the exact answer at the exact time, but I'll get it for you, and I'll pray with you, and we'll get there together. Because I could care less about how much we build this church I don't care what we add on, what chairs we buy, what we paint. I don't care. Paint what you want to paint. I don't care. But I want to see everybody take another step towards the cross. Because that's the only thing that matters. What I'm trying to say is we don't need a bunch of performers in the work of God in this critical time. People say, oh, man, there's all kinds of things we can add up here. We can get some drums, and we can do this, and we can get bigger monitors, and we can do... Hey, so what? There's not a monitor on the wall. There's not a piece of equipment. There's not a person up here performing and praising that's going to lead somebody to salvation. And just that stuff. It takes sharing Christ. Christ. We need believers who are committed to the gospel, not content with the church environment. We need people who don't just say it, but people that walk it and share it is what we need. We need Christians living out their testimony, telling people what they wore, showing them the scars, and showing the healing God's done through them by way of the cross. People don't need to hear about other people's churches. They need to hear about the truth of Jesus Christ is what they need to hear. We need the gospel to be talked about. We don't need to be hearing certain songs that appease us. We don't need to hear the heart of one. We need to hear the heart of the one that's playing the song that's lived out what they're playing. That's what we need to hear. Deborah said this morning, getting to meet the gentleman, wrote that song. That now he's living out his testimony of God's transformation in his life. When we become more focused on being a professional Christian rather than a passionate one, meaning don't let our faith become our profession, instead let it be our passion. Don't walk in faith just to do so God will bless you. Walk in faith with passion to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Don't be looking about what God can do good for you like Micah. He's already done good for us. He's already written our names in the land's book of life. What more do you want from God? I've said it before, there's nothing God can give a believer. God cannot give you anything better than what he's already given you. Everything else is substandard to eternal life in heaven. That's the beauty of Christianity. We get the best thing off the start. Not starting down here and work to the good stuff. No, it starts good. It can't get any better. So why are we trying to strive for the less good stuff if that even makes sense is start striving so other people can get the best thing i never want to be more concerned about being contented than i am about being converted or someone being converted doesn't matter what i want it really doesn't shouldn't matter about what you want long as you just want somebody else to be converted to the good news of Jesus Christ. That should be what we're committed to. If I'm not careful, myself and you can get disillusioned in doing my duty in, in becoming content. Doing so, I lose my passion, my longing, my yearning for another soul to become transformed through the gospel. It's not about what I like or want, but it's rather what Jesus has called every believer to do is to have compassion making a difference. Jude 22. Not contentment, compassion. To have compassion, you get to be driven by passion. To have compassion. Have compassion making a difference. If your passion is towards your contentment, you're not going to make a difference because then you're more worried about practicing professional Christianity than powerful Christianity. I don't know if Mark put that. oh he did, he put it up there, God bless him. What if, what if? What if we take away the cool music and the cushioned chairs? What if the monitor screens are gone? and the stage isn't decorated, what if the air conditioning the heat is off and the comforts are removed? Would His Word be enough to create passion in your life and cause us to assemble together? Would that be enough? Or do churches like this don't offer enough? And we're just missing so many things we need. I'll argue that with you until you let me go because we have everything we need. And if we just all brought our own lawn chairs and got rid of all this and and we brought our own lawn chairs and sat in here and the A.C. doesn't work, we can't afford it, ties are down, whatever, can we still gather just because of this? Or no, I need to go find a church with comfortable chairs. Those hurt my back. It's too hot in here. I can't get dressed up and look good like a polished professional Christian. And too. we mm. looking for comfort or commitment? I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'll say this. Paul says this in Philippians four eleven. I know I'm jumping way ahead, Mark. Not that I speak in respect of want. That's where contentment comes from, what I want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Why could Paul say that? Who had it all? Education, position in the Sanhedrin court, had power, had influence had all the comforts offered at the time, and he gave it all up. Why? Because of Christ crucified. He put his contentment in what Christ did for him, not in what he was looking for. We don't have time. We don't have time to be looking for and trying to make ourselves content because the more we invest in ourselves, the less we can invest in somebody else. We only have so much time in our day. Contentment means we invest in ourselves. Commitment, passion means we're investing in others. We don't have time to wait, unprecedented times. The holidays are upon us. What if the tree doesn't go up? What if fallen Thanksgiving decorations don't go up? Can we still be content? What if we canceled our Thanksgiving feast? What if we don't have a Christmas party? What if we do nothing but sit here and walk through the Word of God and maybe go out instead of Christmas sharing people the true meaning of Christmas and Thanksgiving? Well, we're not doing anything here. We always do a Christmas party celebration and play games and eat and fellowship. What are we committed to? What if we stop trying to be a polished, content, professional Christian and start trying to be a compassionate believer and make sure others know the true meaning of Christmas? All the way back to verse 8. Remember the young Levite? It says he departed. How often the believer departs to journey somewhere else to try to find contentment. Nope, can't find it there. Don't like that pastor. He doesn't talk well. He's not cool. He's not whatever. Their church is lame. They don't have any ministries. They don't have young people my age. They don't have this. They don't have that. I'm going to depart and go somewhere else. Today, believers are looking for the perfect Christian environment where they can be content rather than finding their passion in Jesus in a church that's committed to the gospel gospel, and be passionate about it. Every step one takes into religion or a church environment to find contentment is a step away from God and is a step down. It's not a step up. We're called to be examples of Christ, not polished Christians. You think Peter was polished? He was far from polished. But he was passionate. you got to give him that. You can't question his passion, his commitment to Christ. I'm going to close. Let me read this passage. Philippians chapter 2, uh, two verses 3 through 11. Just listen to these words. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves look not every man on the on his own things but every man also on the things of others let this mind be in you which is also in christ jesus who being in the form of god thought did not robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no what you think jesus was worried about being a professional christian do you think he was worried about being polished? Made himself of no reputation. took upon him the form of a servant. Boy, that's something people strive after for contentment, do they not? How can I be more of a servant? It was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. His faith unto the death, even to the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and things in heaven and things in earth and things under this earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." I don't know what's going to take place in Israel. I may talk about that next week. I've been studying that for a couple of weeks now. But the Lord keeps it on that. Don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this no matter what happens, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. God wins. Jesus wins. We don't win. We lost. The only reason we win is because of the cross, not because we won. Don't do anything in vainglory. Don't live Christianity in vainglory. Live it in humility and servitude to what? Christ crucified. Don't be a professional Christian. Be a powerful Christian. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you first, foremost, above everything, without anything even being... Compared, seconded, is your work on the cross. Your death, burial, and resurrection so we could have victory. Without you, we have no victory. We win nothing. The only thing that we win that we're entitled to is damnation without the cross. Father, we've got to be careful in this day and time, especially in America, where we are so overly... I don't know what the word, so overly granted with with resources and things that draw our attention. We want this house, these decorations, these cars, these jobs, these whatever to build contentment. Are we willing to sacrifice everything for the cross? You did. You weren't worried about being polished or professional. You were worried about living out the Father's will, Lord. And you lived it out to the cross because you were passionate. You were passionate for us, our souls. May we have that same passion. May we get past the facade or facade, I should say, I'm sorry, of the church stigma how big we are and what we have and what resources and what ministries are we willing to let those go let them be what they are nothing wrong with them in and of themselves but just let them be let the church be about your work which has always has been and always will be the gospel Christ crucified Is a music place. Does the Lord lead you? Maybe it's a time to examine our heart. Are we looking for contentment? Or are we trying to strive towards passion and purpose? Somebody's got to make a difference. We're all called to make a difference. It doesn't take a church building to make a difference. It doesn't take a job or income or... Or social influence to make a difference. You don't have to write books to make a difference. You don't have to go to seminary school to make a difference. The only thing you need is the gospel to make a difference. It may not seem like much to the world, they call it foolishness. But as a Christian, we have to acknowledge it's the only thing that's truth. Where's our heart today as a church body? Are we more worried about how we look or how Jesus looks?
2: can uh, say what you want about brother Todd well he said it already (laughs) but there's one thing about him that you need to take away he's very serious about what he does for the Lord you're not going to find a lot of serious Christians you're going to find Christians but you're going to find a lot of serious Christians thing I appreciate appreciate about him the most is the fact that he is serious and that's all he's trying to get you to do. get serious amen father thank you for our time here today we uh take what uh, brother todd has spoken about to heart lord if we're not serious we know whether we are or we're not we should have been the first ones up here at the altar Lord, help us to be honest. Brother Todd's an honest man, very serious about his Christian walk. All he's trying to do is ask us to be the same. Help us to do that. Amen. Amen.